the Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. Our first segment is a discussion about how to structure an effective landing page for one's firm. So I was able to review my current landing page from my current PPC vendor. And this is simultaneous with me taking some other webinar that I got a solicitation for about PPC landing pages and direct, a little bit more direct response marketing, more about like getting into their head. And I looked at my landing page and my not so great per se results from my PPC vendor and what these people on the webinar were saying. And my landing page from what I learned, which is by no means the expert sucks (laughs) and is is doesn't doesn't do anything to get people's I'm, I'm not going to say anything that's too broad of a stroke but it's not what the webinar was promoting can you put your landing page url in the in the chat i don't want to put it on the show i don't want 100 people going to your landing page oh yeah because that would be bad because then i'd pay for all that okay go ahead got it all right so i'm looking at it so what, what you have on your page is you got a call to action up top with a phone number and i'm going to presume that's a tracking number do you want to show it? Do you want to share your screen? Or- um, I can share it. Yeah, the, the show is audio only, but I can show it for the people that are here. But so I'm still going to describe it out loud because we're a radio show. So at the top right, we do have a call to action with your phone number. It says report a, a request, sorry, a case evaluation with a phone number. That is a tracking number, like a call rail number. Good. And then you've got another call to action right above the fold called request a consultation where they can put in their first name, last name, phone, and email. I need to change that wording. Yeah, followed by some bullet points about your firm, you know, some bullet points, your experience, your award-winning legal representation. We understand you and empowering and empathetic. I think those are terrible. Um, so we can talk about those bullet points. And then you've got a rolling Google, you know, uh, social proof with some Google, five-star Google reviews. Then you've got some copy and then a repeat of the request a case evaluation call to action phone number, then some badges. So some authority and credibility, and then more client reviews below. And then you got photos of your attorneys. So for me, I mean, you're good on call to action. Um, your bullet points and, and speaking to the, basically your value prop is what's missing here. Like you don't really have much here about why they should call you versus someone else. And so you're not driving the action. That being said, you know, they've probably come here from an ad so they may be inclined to go ahead and call or or request. But uh, why don't you share with us a little bit about, so compared to what you just learned, what do you feel is missing here? Like maybe it should say something like, we know you want this case over. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. That's that's where this page is, is sucking, is that that there's no value prop right here above the fold. And that's what you need. So I, I totally agree with that. The calls to action to me are quite are adequate. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, they missed a badge that's actually probably the most important badge, which I'll get into. But And obviously just consistency on consultation versus case evaluation, because that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a little bit more of a hook, I guess. Like, we know you're frustrated. Let us help this get get this done for you right and quickly. Something like that. Or overwhelmed. I mean, just getting it. what What are people thinking about, right? 
This sucks. Exactly right. Like I would even write a call. I would actually do a landing page that said, this sucks. We know that <laughs> we know it's yeah. okay. You can say it out loud. This sure. sucks. Call us. But I, I think our, our producers have reminded me that I don't need to be so careful that they would edit out any personally identifying information. So th- <laughs> thank you producers. Um, <laughs> but uh, I agree. So yeah, something polarizing, but also like something real. That again, the word value proposition, right? Why should like ask yourself the question? Why should a client call you and not someone else? Um, probably not because of sixty years of combined legal experience. Nobody gives a shit. Probably not because of award-winning legal representation on your side because they don't even know what that means. Probably not because you understand their situation because you're are you differentiating yourself from the other family lawyers that don't understand their situation? Like you know, and empowering and empathetic. I think that's the closest one, but I would, you know, if that's really the thing that you want to do, I would say a little bit more. Your 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 comment like this sucks. We know how bad it sucks, and we can make it better. You know, but you, what are your other key value props? Like, what makes your firm different? We are big strategy people. We we like. I actually think I know everyone. Every attorney is going to say that, but like our brain hurts after we sit down and try to strategize both the the short-term and long-term game plans and try to figure out, you know, yes, you have to pivot as the case goes on, but coming out of the gate, like we're not just in it for the six feet in front of us. Like we put the time in on the front end. Yeah. We have the strategies you've never thought of and we'll we'll run strategic circles around your spouse. Uh Uh-huh. But so, you know, that's what's missing here, right? You're like, there's nothing. This is just plain vanilla, not differentiating stuff. And we, you know, I've played with this for a while and we found the more we call out our key value props, the better our pages do. Yeah. And, and then, and then I, and then this, this leads to the same um, end result that always happens. I, I learn this stuff. I go back to the vendor and I say, I need your help to retool and rework this. And they sit there dumbfounded going, well, what exactly are you thinking? Well, I know. So so I need to remind myself that these vendors are just implementing, but they are not creative directors. That is right. And that's, you know, for the most part, like it's very, very hard to find a team that is both technically amazing and really great with copy and content. So now um, I need to go on a hunt to find someone with copy and content to work with my people to do this. So they're going to have to be two different people. I wish I could find that one unicorn. So Seth Godin, I believe it was Seth Godin who wrote in an article that director of marketing or CMO is the last job an entrepreneur gives up. Mm-hmm. Because no matter, like you can go hunt far and wide and nobody is going to be as passionate or as focused on your core value props as you, and even more, more, more able to pivot as you learn and as you grow. And so quite honestly, like for me, it's find the amazing technician, find the people who know how SEO works who know how the back end works, who are staying on top of the Google algorithms and who will watch your page's performance and call out to you, this one's performing better than that one. Or, hey, I've noticed that your landing pages are starting to do worse. And then quite honestly, you're the one 
with the copy. You're the one who can write. You're the one who can who can do this until you know you're you're approaching that, you know, close to eight figures where you really can have a professional team that has captured your brand. You're in charge of your brand because nobody else will. Like it's like of all the things I'm always telling you, delegate that, stop doing that, don't do that, you know, get rid of that. And I, I'm relentless about trying to delegate stuff. This is the one where I'm like, you know what? Keep it. If you looked at this page, you go like, this isn't good. No. And and it's good to reach out to others for ideas about what the copy should be. But at the end of the day, the answers are in your head. Yeah. And, you know, it might you might talk to me or to someone else who will help to tease those answers out of your head by asking you questions like, what does make your firm different? So that you can kind of get outside yourself and start thinking about it. But at the end of the day, I know those words are in your head and in nobody else's. And you'll, yeah. And then the vendor can A-B test it. But again, yes. the vendors love to say, no, no, no. My way is way better because I can, you know, I know this this page gets results because we've done this for other people. And, and, you know, and you don't, again, don't, you know, get rid of the need to be right. Um, remember remember what I've said about uh, that I learned way back when I learned about product marketing when I was with LexisNexis. Your opinion while interesting, is not relevant. <laughs> right. And mine isn't relevant. Yours isn't relevant. Your marketing team isn't, isn't relevant. The only relevance is the market. So you could just look at them and say, listen, I really appreciate that input. Here's what I want to change the copy to. Let's run the A-B test. And maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Got it. And if I'm right, you know, you've learned something too. But, you know, that, that to me is how it's done. Just like if you think it sucks – Write some new copy, put it back out there. And, you know, the only caution I would have is keep your A/B tests limited, mm-hmm. so that you know what you're testing. Because if you change too much at once, then you don't know what 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 moved the ball. Okay. And I I think your your the big block of copy could use some help too. But it, the truth is, nobody really reads below the fold anyway. But if you're highly mobile, you know, you just want to see how it's looking and how it's working on mobile as most of our firms are now, like most most of the viewers' views that you'll get are mobile. Yeah. So, yeah, I would implement those changes. Like, get, you know, write, write some alternative copy, and let's get it posted and A-B tested. You know, the beautiful thing about this, like, we could launch it tomorrow. That's right. Okay. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. In our next segment, Christopher explains the correct way to use referrals to help grow your business. Um, still in that same cash crunch, but I think we're going to climb ourselves out of it very soon. 
last time we were talking about my leads and I went back and looked at the leads. It's not 300 leads a month. It's roughly 115 leads a month, which still, you know, aren't being converted as far as that criminal defense attorney goes. Had a mediation that did not settle yesterday. The mediation um, where the fees are now would have gotten us out of the hole. We have another mediation scheduled for tomorrow, and I'm hoping that one will settle and it will definitely get us out of the hole. If I can get an A team in place or a better team in place, I think we will climb out of that cash crunch and be a little bit more efficient. So let's let's go through a little bit here. Um, the 115 leads, though you said those are all for the criminal defense business? No, those are okay. a variety, but the majority of the leads had been for criminal. Since I've dialed back the criminal for LSA, we don't get as many calls for criminal now. But even though we're forwarding or referring those out, that person still isn't really converting them. So that's been an issue. Like I'm debating if I want to just take criminal off altogether because I was hoping that we could convert and that could be kind of like that cash flow coming in because we have a an agreement on how much she'll be paying me for these leads. So if she was converting, then I'd be getting money from that. Yeah, but she's not. And so let's stick to that one. So how, of the 115, how many are criminal? Well, it depends on the month. So maybe last month, I'll say maybe 25. May was okay. the height. We had like 74 criminal leads in May. But you've dialed back the spend. So now you're at 15. Yes. Or 25. Okay. So listen, one of the best paths for your growth and the least expensive for getting new clients is going to be working your referral network. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're out there advertising for criminal, you're basically telling a very, very good pool of referral source not to send you any business because you're a competitor and or they will perceive you as one. I wouldn't, but they would, right? And so they'll perceive that you're a competitor. And if they send you their social security business, if they send you their PI business, well, you might just take the criminal business too. And you might not, and you might promise that you won't, but like, listen, they've got a lot of people that they can refer business to. Why send it to someone who might be a risk? Secondly, you're not sending them criminal business because you're, you've got one referral source that you're sending to who's not converting. And instead you could be, because even if we dial the criminal marketing all the way back, you're still going to through your, so I mean, I know the business through your PI people, through your SSDI people, you're going to be getting criminal bycatch and you can still refer that out. And that's why you'll be referring it out. And for every referral you make, you're top of mind for a referral back. So if this is not producing cash flow for you, I mean, that, like, I don't even think that's a good excuse, even if it were producing cash flow. But particularly since it's not, like just abandon that and make it and then reach out to everybody you know that's in criminal defense in your area that could refer you business and let them know, hey, just wanted to let you know, um, you know, we're we're really growing in the social security business. We're really growing in our PI business. Um, and so we've decided to um start referring out any criminal cases that come our way. And wanted to let ask you if you'd be willing to be one of the places we can send that business, right? You're not asking for their referrals. You're telling them a nice story, a good story, a true story about growing your business. And so they know, so you don't have to ask. And then you're asking whether it's okay for you to send them business. 
That would be an amazing communication when you can follow up with a phone call, when you can follow up with an invite to coffee or to come check out, you know, to come sit with you in your firm and you can, you know, bat around how their business go and how you, whatever, but you're putting yourself front of mind to get their referrals. Yeah. Cheapest marketing you'll ever do. And I would, you know, and then save your money on the LSA or repurpose that money whenever you're paying for digital search for criminal um, and repurpose it into either PI or social security or both, depending on which one you're really looking to grow the most. Now let's talk about your cash crunch. Obviously we all hate them. And, you know, I, I appreciate that you've, you've got your eye on, well, there's this, this revenue event that we were hoping for. I forgot if you said today or yesterday, um, the mediation, and there's this revenue event that we hope for tomorrow that that will help. But, you know, depending on individual revenue events for cash flow will grow you old really fast uh, because you're, you're constantly waiting for that. You're probably letting some bills get old while that happens um, and you're stressing and sweating payroll. Am I getting it right? Yes, absolutely. So we need to balance. You know, this is kind of the cool thing. You have the SSDI practice. You have the personal injury. If we don't do criminal, are those the two practices only that we've got? Those are the only two that we have. So we were okay. looking at maybe I've done estate planning before, simple wills, powers of attorney and things of that nature. I put up some organic posts on social media and I have two scheduled appointments next week for simple wills and power of attorney. So with your social security practice, you already know what your revenue is going to be from that for the next six months, right? Well, social security didn't pay out in 16 to 24 months. Right. So that's why I say, so for the next six months, you know what it is. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, Because that's all baked. You earned that a year ago. And then PI, it's hard to tell. What are your revenues expected for personal injury alone for the next 12 months? Yes. So let me say this. It's not updated. I'm two weeks behind. As of right now, the next 12 months is 400,000. Okay. What is your nut? What do you need to make all your payments that you have to make, including your own salary for the same 12 months? So I need 60,000 every month. So 60,000 okay. 12 months, yeah. 720. Mm-hmm. All right, so you've got 320, in addition to PI, you've got 320 that's gotta come in. What do you expect to come in from social security over that 12 months? Next 12 months for social security is 350,000. Boom, we cracked your nut with the PI and the social security. So the only problem is that PI doesn't come in nice and even, right? It comes in this, this drib and that drab and this nice hit there and, and there. But so overall, that's a good picture, which gives you the liberty and the, you know, the, the power really to make a decision here, which is, do you go through the expense of add and the time suck of adding another practice area like, estate planning, which doesn't fit with the other two practice areas, or which is a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a potential and you could probably get cash coming in within a month. Or do you take the savings of the spend that you're going to remove from criminal and put that into PI and augment what's coming in there and try to get a steadier flow so you're not waiting on the big hits all the time? Um, I know what my choice would be, and I know what I would advise you if you were asking, but uh, I think I've already kind of showed my hand a little bit. You two very distinct practice areas at a level of revenue that's not above what I would say you you need to be opening a third one, quite honestly. 
I think you need to knuckle knuckle down and say, all right, I'm going to grow probably PI. PI has the shorter lead, so I want to push some more resources into PI right now. And then as that starts bringing in more profits, start to grow the Social Security. Because I could show you how to market Social Security to double that business tomorrow, but that might kill you. Because you've got to pay for all that for a year before you or more, 16 months, you say, before you see anything on that. And you know, with PI work, you could probably start seeing cash in three to four months on the easier cases. And then, you know, the the average, I don't know what your average is, but you know, probably eight to nine months is your average return on 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 spend. Yeah? Yeah. So I would caution you. I mean, it's it's so easy to think about, oh, you know, if I just market here in state planning, I could have some cash coming in in a month or two. But you're so close to making your nut um, with the two things you've got. Like all you like what you really need to do is start enhancing those so that you could start increasing the profitability, which then you could roll into it. That that's would be where I come from that. Okay. In terms of analysis, so you know, you said about 400 k over the next 12 months for PI in terms of revenue, about 350K uh, for SSI. I would also think about what resources it's taking to produce that revenue. And and where are people working? Do you have more time and effort focused on the PI or the social security? That's the other side of the equation, more in terms of profitability. It's not just how much revenue we're getting out of each practice area. It's mm-hmm. what you're putting in. And I would start to analyze that as well as you're making these decisions. Yeah, that's another thing that I'm trying to do because I need my paralegal to really work those billable hours that we've set to see where, you know, what she's doing, if it is actually profitable. So that's another thing. We're having a meeting next week regarding our efficiency and them being able to present to me every Friday what they've done and the amount of time that they've done. And I have the capability to pull the reports with my software. I just got to get figured out. The associate that wants to move from part-time to full-time is doing which practice? Personal injury. Okay, good. So yeah. So to me, very much with what Rob was saying, I mean, the I think we need to just decide that personal injury is going to move to 600. We're going to require it to produce $50,000 a month for the short term. And that will help bring your associate to full time. And so we just got to like, we got to repurpose that marketing to bring in enough business to move that to 600 to $50,000 a month. And we got to like, that's got to be your target starting in August. Okay. Thank you. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com.
Our last segment is a short but fun conversation involving everyone who take turns offering advice to one participant who is considering starting her own practice. I've been a practicing lawyer in a law firm before. I have been a law professor for the past 13 years, and I am what subject going uh, entrepreneurship. So I, okay. my background is in representing startup companies. And the purpose of me being here is actually to consider whether I want to spin up my own law firm. And so I want to hear about like, what are the reasons why I shouldn't? What are the reasons why I should? Maybe this is actually a question for everybody on the, in the room. I, you know what? I'm going to give everybody a crack at it. Um, I think that's a great point. Um, so where are you in the world? Uh, physically? <laughs> yeah, where the law firm. Where would the law firm be? The law firm would be in North Carolina, although I also have admission in Massachusetts and Texas. Okay. And, and where in North Carolina would it be? Durham. And uh, what, what would your practice area be? So probably startup companies. Oh, perfect. So business law for startups. I think that could be... St- I mean, come on, in the triangle, like this, is, you could catch fire with this. Um, and, 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 you know, you've got I don't, you've 16 years of students who will refer you business, right? So I think, I think it's, it's a great idea. And so everybody on the team here gets one minute crack at you, whether you should go or no go. So should you start your own business? If you're ready for a lot of hard work, but a lot of reward, I would say yes. It's so much hard work, sleepless nights. But yes, if you want to make your own hours, do what you do across wherever, you know, I say go for it. It's very rewarding. And once I get some stability and profitability, I think I'll be in a much better headspace um, always remember, you change your mind, you change your life, keep your mindset on point because you're going to need it. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, on this group, I'm not sure you're going to get a negative. I would say 100% start your own business if you could bring in business. So someone once asked me if they should start their own business. And I said, it's great to control the checkbook if there's money in the checkbook. But if there's no money in the checkbook, it's a hard place to be. So the question is, do you have people who are going to give you retainers? If you're going to have money in the checkbook, definitely go for it. First of all, you know, if, if you're already going down that pathway, it seems to me that you're already partway down the road. But the one thing I'll tell you about opening your business is when I talk about personal growth, man, you really have to examine who you are because opening your own business really makes you question almost everything you knew <laughs> before you did. I mean, at least personally. So I think it's not just an opportunity to make money, but an opportunity to grow as a person and mature overall. Mm-hmm. Um, emotionally. So I would say go for it. But again, if you're already thinking about it, there's something that's piquing that interest about whether or not you want to step the foot forward, right? And that's that's the main thing. Make sure this is truly what you want to do. But if you do it, I just think there's tons of reward. What's the motivating factor driving you to do this at this point? If you've been been a professor for, I think you said 13 or 16 years, a pretty long time to want to step back into the public arena. So is there a passion driving you to want to get in and, and, and help specifically? Are you looking at a specific type of startup, maybe tech startups or general businesses or, you know, even crypto or something like that, that is luring you to come back in? And then what value would you be bringing? I just wanted to mention one thing. So you you start out by saying, I'm thinking about opening my own law firm and I'm posing the questions in a group. Maybe we'll all just get some input. I was thinking 
Perhaps that's not the right question at this point in the analysis. You know, I would really say, what do you want? What are your goals personally, financially, and other? And I would write it down. I'd make a bullet list. What do you want? Then we can determine if you opening up a practice will support your goals, keeping in mind you have to give equal time to the pros and the cons of opening your own law office. A lot of people only look at the pros, they open up their own law office and then realize they can't stand operating their own business. And it becomes a huge problem because they can't just practice law and focus on what they wanna do. They are pulled in a million other directions. So that'd be my recommendation. Literally write down a list of what you want in the end. Then we'll see how we can support that. And if if opening of a law firm on your own would would be good for that. That's it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for their this this ended up being a really great show and I really appreciate everybody's input and questions and uh and feedback. Uh great great group. I will remind everybody because uh I like to say this at the end of the show. First of all, don't miss the unbillable hour um every month uh, on um the Legal Talk Network or on your favorite, you know, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or wherever else we are. We're all over the place. But you know, new episodes every month of the Unbillable Hour. We've got great guests already in the can. We've already got two, so I already know what's coming. It's good stuff. Um, and then always the third, this show is the third Thursday at three live. But for now, I just want to thank everybody. Uh, I'm very grateful for your attendance and participation today and wish you the best. See you next month. Take care. Thank you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.